Welcome back, everybody. Doug Flutie here. This is the Flutie Flakes cast. Uh, thank you for listening in again and, and staying with us. It's a big week for college football. College football awards are coming out. The final four is set. The playoffs are set. The Heisman this coming weekend and along those lines, Kenny Pickett and Desmond Howard. Kenny Pickett at a pit quarterback has an opportunity. He's in the final running. He's a, one of the finalists going to New York. And uh, Des Howard, obviously a Heisman winner, big time college football analyst on game day every week. So there, that's all coming up. And, uh, you know, I look back, I want to look back to the weekend of, of the NFL, but I don't, I get stuck on Monday night. I, I don't go all the way back. I loved the cold weather game in Buffalo. First of all, two of my former teams, Buffalo, New England, everybody texts me, asked me who I'm rooting for. And I just, I don't really root. I root for people. I don't root for teams anymore. I don't know. That's just who I am. But the cold weather game just brought out so many memories to me. It, it, it just, the story started flowing in my mind of, of having to deal with the cold weather in Canada. I played in Buffalo. I played in Chicago. I played in New England. And what, what hits me about the game, first of all, you go to Mac Jones, only throwing the ball three times. He actually completed two of the three. Uh, the first thing that I realized is, this is this was my wheelhouse, right? Bad weather football. I played a game in Winnipeg. I played a game in Winnipeg where it was 35 to 50 mile an hour winds steady with gusts up to 70 miles an hour. Now, 75 is hurricane winds. So gusts up to 70 miles an hour. We threw for 210 yards in the first quarter with the wind at our back. The next three quarters, because the wind shifted at the end of the third quarter, we were going into the wind. We threw for another 20 yards the rest of the game. You just don't realize how it affects the ball. I threw a ball as I was running towards the line of scrimmage, had a guy running on a deep cross, running towards the line of scrimmage. I threw it as hard and as far as I could. I needed to throw it about 25 yards. The ball fluttered in the wind, came back. My receiver saw the ball fluttering, turned around, started coming back to it, dove, caught it for an eight-yard gain. The ball traveled 12 yards, and I threw it as far as I could. Um, part of the game, the biggest strategy of the game, is dealing with clock management. When you have the ball and the wind at your back, you want to run as many plays as possible. And you want to run them as quickly as possible. You want to punt as fast as possible. We punted once on first down from our own end with a 55 mile an hour wind at our back and had an 80 yard punt, swift field position, get the ball back 30 seconds later and we're scoring points instead of marching it down the field. Things like that come into play. And I, I was a little disappointed that teams the Monday night game that they didn't go into the no huddle really fast mode with the wind at their back. So you get more punts to flip the field position. Field goals were, were uh, an adventure. Completing a pass was an adventure. And finally, at the end of the game, when Buffalo needed to move the ball, they threw the ball between the hash marks. And that's what you get. It's the shortest distance. The ball is in the air, the shortest possible distance. Tight end right over the ball, eight yard gain. If you have to throw the out, First of all, you got a crosswind or the wind blowing the ball over the place, but the ball's in the air for 35 yards, even if you're throwing an out route and it's only a 10 yard out. So you wanted to work the middle of the field. The way the Patriots won the ball game was partly the clock management deal and just running the football and eating up clock. And they ran the ball extremely well. And the, the, the name of the game in the, the NFL now has always been two high safeties run the football. Single high safety, eighth man comes down in the box. You've got to throw the ball because you've got one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside. The difference is now they know you have to run the ball. You know you have to run the ball. 
it's an eight man box all the time. The safety comes down, even the weak side safety will get his nose in there and sometimes go nine man box and leave those receivers one-on-one because they know how impossible it is to complete a pass out there. The only, there, there are very few plays, like I said, everything's check with me, two high safety, single high. So they check out of runs to passes all the time. The play that won the game for the New England Patriots is power O. You pull the backside guard, you block down, down on the outside. Everybody takes an angle. You, you block the guy to the inside. You get double teams at the point of attack and get a little movement. The puller kicks out and you stay up inside that. You leave the outside edge guys. Or un- There's always an unblocked guy in power O because it's an eight or nine man block box. But as long as it's a north-south cut, that becomes irrelevant. And it's one of the few plays that you can run against any look, any time. And the Patriots ran it over and over and over again. They ran it three or four times straight. They liked going to the right side. Uh, occasionally, they just flip the formation, run it to the left side. And it's we were in, um, I was playing for San Diego at the time, and we're playing the Raiders. And we we started hammering the ball with Ladanian Tomlinson as our tailback. And we ran power O. We ran it 13 straight times against the loaded box. Seven of those was to tie the game and send it to overtime. Six of those were in overtime to win the game. And uh, it's just fun for me to see the different strategies that come out in cold weather football. I felt that uh, Josh Allen probably should have been used as a runner a lot more. Take off and run. Quarterback design runs. Five yards is a big deal. In fact, the one incompletion that that uh, Mac Jones threw was on a bootleg type action and he tried to force if he had just tucked it under his arm he had a five to seven yard game which going into the wind is huge and you do that and you just take what you can get whenever you can get it move the chains work the clock Uh, it was a fun old school football game Um, I played in I, I learned some lessons playing in Canada and I had some games that were cold weather nasty games where I was trying to throw it 40 50 times and, and you turn the ball over, got beat. And for those of you that are CFL fans, a uh, couple of big CFL games played in bad weather this weekend. And Winnipeg is the dominant team in the CFL right now. And they turned the ball over six times, but still managed to win the game down the wire and win in a nasty weather game. So those are the things that can happen if you're not smart with the football. I learned over the years how to protect the football in nasty weather, uh, still make some plays, the types of things that you can do between the hashes. It's just a lot of fun for me to see that because this is a day and age where we see 40, 50 passes a game. We see the 400 yard passing days. You get in a dome stadium, both quarterbacks are throwing for 400. And this was a throwback to when I was a kid watching teams grind it out. Field goals were an adventure. Punts were big plays. Um, And I'd be remiss not to mention the last play of the game or last real play fourth down. Buffalo has a chance to win it. They need a touchdown. And it was very similar. And I knew it on the alignment or even before the alignment. I'm thinking when the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, they took a shot and blitzed Kurt Warner uh, and went zero coverage, no free safety, and let up a post for a touchdown. And then Tom let him back down the field and uh, they kicked the field goal to win the game at the end. Um, but there, there comes a point where Bill Belichick just says, okay, do or die. It's, it's just go after it, make it happen now. So we still have time on the clock if they happen to score. And that's what they did. The Patriots went all out blitz and they left everybody one-on-one all over the field. The wind was at Josh Allen's back. He tried to throw the post route and it may have had a chance. 
He needed to get the ball a little further to the inside of the field. It had an opportunity, but the safety, and I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, I believe it was Bryant. Uh, in man-to-man coverage with no safety, you are locked into your guy. I mean, you have him all over the field. You have no help. The guy's got a two-way go. He can break out. He can break in and go by. You can just run a quick hitch, make you miss and go. You've got to lock into that guy. Somehow, some way, he saw the ball thrown to the other receiver on the post, dropped off his man, and got a hand on it to break up the pass, which was just an unbelievable play awareness-wise and, and basically wins the ball game. Um, and then the Patriots can kneel down and win the ball game. Uh, coming up this weekend, this weekend is Heisman weekend for me. It's a, it's a big deal. A lot of, a lot of the guys uh, all get together. Um, I will not be making the trip to New York this week. I, I'm talking with Des towards the end of this. Um, Des and I were talking a little bit, but I will not be able to make it. Uh, finalists for the Heisman this week, uh, Kenny Pickett. We will have him, he quarterback out of Pitt, tremendous quarterback, has led Pitt Panthers to an ACC championship, 11-2 record. They knocked off Wake Forest last weekend. And uh, uh, we'll play in the Peach Bowl against Michigan State on December 30th. Uh, amazing season. He's broken all kinds of records. He threw 42 touchdown passes to only seven interceptions, which is something I just can't really back in our day. If you threw two, two to one ratio, you wanted twice as many touchdowns as interceptions. That's a six to one ratio, 42 to seven. Um, also five touchdowns rushing as well. It's just all the stats. He broke Marino's uh, touchdown mark by uh, in pit history. And then also Deshaun Watson had 41 in 2016 and he passed that. So ACC player of the year, offensive player of the year, Kenny Pickett coming up later. Remember, you can get the Flutie Flakes cast on Apple, Pandora, and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to rate and review. Coming up next, Desmond Howard. Well, my guest is Desmond Howard today, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, just a uh, Super Bowl winner. Was it Super Bowl MVP too, Des? Yeah, yeah. Super Bowl uh, yeah, yeah. Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> how, far, how far was the return? 99 yards, my friend. 99 yards. I need oxygen after 40. I'm like, I, always held, <laughs> I always held my breath. When I ran hard, I held my breath. At about 40 yards, I had, just the monkey got on. I had to punch, I had to pitch the ball. But uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, Des Howard. Des goes thanks, on game thanks. day every weekend. And I'll tell you what, Des, the homework that you have to do for that show, the yeah. total con- just just give us a little bit of a work week to get prepared to do game day. Oh, Doug, I mean, where do you begin? <laughs> I mean, you know, normally I try to take Sunday off to, to decompress from, you know, Saturday's games and the shows and everything. And Monday, we're right back at it. And, you know, you're looking at the rankings. You're looking at the matchups. You're, you're calling coaches. And, and, Doug, you know, you want to get information from, like, SID, sports, sports and information directors. Um, I, I'm the type of guy, Doug, I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk to a head coach unless I absolutely have to. Like, I'd much rather talk to a coordinator or even these people they got now, Doug, called – analysts like everyone has like a defensive analyst or offensive analyst so I you know I talk to those guys because I know coaches are so busy with the game plan everything I I don't talk to like a save unless I absolutely have to so you you do that stuff do you do the film work you you start doing the film study and then for our show because like a three-hour show you know we have like tapes that we do too 
So I have to put together my tapes. Like I put together a tape of um, for the SEC championship game. My tape, Doug, was actually on Alabama's wide receivers for the SEC championship game. It was on Jamison Williams and um, and John Mechie. And how would they be able to affect the secondary if they took care of things up front? So, you know, you got to piece that together with the guys. So it's just it's a tremendous amount of um of research and um and work that goes into it man i i was very fortunate i talked with kirk about this uh, i said that i got to do notre dame games so i had notre dame and an opponent so i mean yeah. i think you have a general knowledge of college football and what's going on out there but i just locked in every week on the opponent good to go that's right game and so thankful for that you guys are you guys amaze me every week with what you do so this week heisman's coming into picture uh Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and your guy, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, Aiden is the guy who, you know, you, you want him on your team. He's just – he's a tremendous leader. And if you just watch him, like, you don't have to take my word for it. Just watch him. He's a guy who – he's a very, very much of an effort guy. He's going to give you tremendous effort on every play. So the tackle, right tackle, left tackle, whoever it is, he cannot afford to take a playoff when 97 is lined up in front of him. And besides that, you know, he's a guy who, you know, he was playing very well a year ago or so, and he broke his ankle, and people didn't know if he's going to come back. And he came back because he, you know, made that vow, Doug, the vow to win a, a, a conference championship with his teammates. And, um, you know, he backed it up with his performance this year, had a monster game against um, Ohio State. But he's not like a one-hit one wonder. I mean, He's been playing like that the whole season long. It's just that people don't pay attention as much to defensive players as they do offensive players. But, yeah, he's been very consistent, um, effort guy. He has some really good moves off the edge. And, you know, but, he, you know, he, he comes from good stock. Like, I, I, his dad played with me in, in Michigan. His dad, uh, Chris Hutchinson, uh, he, he went to medical school after he left, you know, and became a doctor, really good people, good family, and uh, just a nice kid. You know, it's fun. It's great to see a defensive guy get his hat in the ring and be a part of it. Um, it's even better for me to see guys that are loyal to their school and to the guys, to the yeah. guys they came in with and want to continue it and finish it. And Michigan's got a shot of finishing it off. What, well, yeah. before we go there, before we go to the playoffs, okay, your overall view of what – what the Heisman, you know, we were talking, you and I talked a few weeks back, like, are we even going to give a Heisman this year? Because nobody's standing out. Uh, right. These last couple right. of weeks, I feel Bryce Young really stepped up and, and has made some, had some Heisman moment type plays. Yeah, well, I think the end of the season really started to, um, to, to show us who can separate themselves from the pack. And, you know, Aiden had a big game, the biggest game of the year for him, the Ohio State game. He had three sacks, and he was just all over the field. And that was tremendous for him and for the nation to see because I think it was like, I don't know, maybe 15 million people watched. It was, it was a crazy number of people who watched that game. And then Bryce Young, you know, Bryce, he um, – that same week they had the Iron Bowl, and they played um, Auburn, their rival – and, you know, they didn't really play good. But at the end of the game, when they needed him, he was, like, razor sharp. And so they ended up, ended up going in four overtimes, and they won that game. But the SEC championship game, you know, Doug, my, my whole deal with the Heisman is it's just not what you do because people can pad their stats against you know, lesser opponents. We see that all the time. 
So it's not just what you do, but it's who you do it against. And here comes the Georgia Bulldogs, the consensus number one. They've been just, you know, dominating on defense the whole year. And here they go against this kid, Bryce Young, first-year starter. And, uh, man, I tell you what, I don't know what Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator for Alabama, um, did that week, but he had those boys ready for Georgia. <laughs> and they carved up that defense. Bryce Young had an outstanding game. And they left like there was no doubt after you watched that game when it was over, there was no doubt which team was the better team. You know, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, we know, you know, Georgia got a bad deal on this player. You know, if this guy would have caught the ball, Georgia had no, no, no. It was none of that. None of that. Like Alabama the refs cost that us game. a game. Yes, the refs. Exactly. The refs cost us a game. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How about yeah, yeah? We get together every year at Heisman, and you know you're obviously busy doing the show at the same time as right. being a Heisman winner and showing up. What are some of your fondest memories from going to Heisman Week and and weekend and the announcements? And, and Doug, I don't know like who were some of your heroes growing up, but you know my guy was Tony Dorsett. You know I watched him with TD thirty three was at Pitt. I mm. mean he was so sweet in that uniform, and then he was at Dallas with the Cowboys. I was like a huge Cowboys fan. So that was like my guy. And I was a running back until I got to Michigan. That's when I uh, converted to, to wide out. But anyway, so I used to try to emulate Tony Dorsett. So, Doug, can you imagine, man, I go to, to the Heisman, and, you know, we're in the room with guys getting cocktails and all that stuff, and across the room is my childhood idol, Tony Dorsett. I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm fanboying. I'm trying to get myself together. I'm like, I'm <laughs> That's my guy right there. Like when he ran 99 yards 99. for a touchdown against Minnesota on Monday night, I was with him every step of the way. Yeah. So, you know, that was like, that was surreal for me. It really was. I had to like gather myself and get myself together and be like, yo, like you're in the same fraternity as your man right there. So, but that was, that was a moment. <laughs> yeah, really. I, I was a big Tony Dorsett fan because I was a small guy. He's a small guy. You know, he's a small running back and everything else. And yeah, I connected man. with him. And he was my ear because I was a kid at the time and idolizing him as well. Some of my favorite yeah. times are when we have that hospitality suite and the guys just go yeah. hang out, you know, and, and storytelling. Exactly. And you go back to the, the former years of, um, I don't know, even Joey Bellino, who passed away a, a couple of years ago. And and just some of the, the older stories, you know, guys that found out through the mail and guys that, right. show, yeah, Roger Stahlbeck's always been a hero of mine. So it, it's really cool yeah. that we get to rub shoulders with these guys and be around them. Exactly. Uh, Michi how about Michigan shot through this playoff run? What's happening and, and how, what are some things people got? I mean, they, they ran into a cold weather game, which I think worked to their advantage with Ohio State. They, be, they got to be physical. Uh-huh. Yeah. I tell you what. Um, yeah, you know, they they they've been consistent. The thing about Michigan is that, and let me let me let me start off by saying Michigan did all of this without their best playmaker. Like people aren't mentioning this at all. Like they had a wide receiver named Ronnie Bell, who went out early in the season, I believe, in maybe the second game of the season. And Ronnie Bell was like their playmaker. So they this is like Ohio State losing Chris Olave early in the season. You know what I mean? It, it, this, mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he was their playmaker. And so they were trying to figure out, okay, who's going to step up? Where are we going to get that deep threat? 
who's going to be our returner. Like, because he was the punt returner. He was a guy who can go vertical. Like, you watch the early games, you'll see Ronnie Bell. So, anyway, with that being said, Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, you know, they had to figure it out. And they did a great job. They, you know, they said, listen, we're going to be a, guy, a team that's going to be very multiple. Now, they appear to be a team that's just going to line up and punch you in the mouth. That's what they can do, and it's what they will do. But it's not the only thing that they'll do. If you looked at the Big Ten Championship game, like they started that game by throwing swing passes, like to the running backs, you know, testing the edges of the defense. So, you know, they, to me, they're very multiple. You have to prepare for two quarterbacks. You got Kay McNamara, but then you got J.J. McCarthy. And when and they're not afraid to play J.J. McCarthy. They played him all season long in critical situations. You got three running backs. You got Blake Corum, H2, Hassan Haskins. And then you got this kid, Donovan Edwards. He's a true freshman, Doug. They put him in the game in the Big Ten Championship game in the first quarter, and they did a double pass with him, and he threw a touchdown. And, you know, they got two big tight ends. Both of them caught, like, one-handed passes during the Big Ten Championship game. They've been very consistent, and they got, like, four or five wideouts that there's not just one guy you can key on. And Josh Gaddis, at this point, you can appreciate this as a quarterback, he appears to really be in the rhythm right now, calling games. Like, he's in a really good rhythm. He knows what he has, and um, he knows how to use the, the, the guys, different personnels, different groupies, just very multiple. And we saw Georgia, not only did Georgia not look good on defense, but Stetson Bennett did look great against Alabama's defense. You know what I mean? So yeah. this is a team that, you know, they looked really good until they didn't look good. And when they didn't look good, everything seemed to be exposed. So they're still Georgia, a lot of pride, a lot of talent. But it's going to be a, a challenge both ways. Yeah, I, I. So everybody, we're gonna we're gonna mortgage to take a new mortgage out on the house, putting all money on Michigan. Michigan's winning it all. <laughs> Desmond Howard set the bar. We're now. You just you're just saying that they're don't don't count them out. They're in the mix and they got a real good shot. Uh, Stetson yeah. Bennett. I visited uh, Notre Dame was playing Georgia a few years back, and Stetson was a, a walk on freshman. And I'm, he was all excited. He was wearing number 22, I guess, you know, size wise and all that. He wanted to wear, he wore 22, because blah, blah, blah. So he's talking to yeah, me yeah. on the sideline. So I'm rooting for the kid and I'm watching him throw. And he's, he was undersized, not well-developed, had no arm, couldn't. Right. And he just wanted it so bad. It's really fun for me to see yeah. him get to the point that he has. He's still to okay. me, not, not the dynamic big time right right uh, right no, it's not good but I, I was just really yeah. happy for and it shows you what you can do if you put your mindset to it and go absolutely um, you know absolutely. we talk talk about players that came back and to, now coaches that that take off on their teams what's your impression of that uh with with riley moving to usc hey man it's this it's the new age of college football <laughs> it's the new age of college football get used to it, it you know it's just it doesn't even surprise me anymore no. uh, it really yeah it's just it's crazy and you know, Lincoln Riley going to USC, um, I think I didn't see that one coming, but, you know, you start hearing rumblings. It probably made sense. I actually heard that he didn't want to go to the SEC, you know, because you know that That's... Texas and Oklahoma both are right, joining the SEC. And I heard that he really didn't want to deal with that, that, uh, that pressure cooker. But the one that surprised me, and you've done the Notre mm -hmm. Dame games, was Brian Kelly. I mean, I, mean, yeah. I, I don't want to flip the script, but – as a guy who's called Notre Dame games, how did you feel about Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame to go to Baton Rouge? You know, he, it was his Notre Dame was his dream job. 
he made no bones about it. Like even way back when he was, he left Cincinnati with a chance to win a national championship right yeah. before the, before the uh, playoff, not playoff game, but bowl game headed to Notre Dame. And this was his dream job. He becomes right. the all time winningest coach at Notre Dame. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, you get comfortable and it's like, okay, I got this machine rolling. we got 10, 11 wins a year. Things are great. Right. And it, when it, when the announcement came, it shocked me. Like the, the initial, yeah. you got to be kidding. He left. I thought yeah. he'd retire. You know, he's got such a legacy now at Notre Dame that he'd retire. Right. Notre Dame's all-time winning his coach. The bottom yeah. line is, right, 10 seconds after I was shocked, I'm thinking, you know what? That's Brian. That's his, he's looking for the next big move. He wants to win okay. a national championship. And in his mind, yeah. he wasn't going to win one at Notre Dame. That's got to be the case. Even though right. he's had more than enough NFL talent guys get drafted out of Notre Dame and go. I mean, they're they're they may be number one. I know they're ahead of a bunch of SEC schools and getting guys okay. to the NFL. So he had talent, yeah. but uh, he did not see himself winning a national championship at Notre Dame. Yeah. And that was the bottom yeah. line there. Uh, what's yeah. your week going to be like this week and award shows and everything else? Or the other award shows after Heisman or before Heisman? No, it's before Heisman. So it's a, it's a busy awards uh, week for me. Normally we do the college football awards um, in Atlanta at the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. But this year uh, we're going to do it up in Bristol, Connecticut. So um, it's going to be Thursday night in Bristol, Connecticut. And then from there, we still got we still have a game day show. We have Army Navy this weekend. And uh, so so our leave. yeah, exactly. Yeah, we still got we still got a show, brother. So I got to go and do that. And then from there, from that um, and which is Saturday morning, then Saturday night, I'll do the Heisman um, Awards presentation. So, you know, a couple of award shows this week and then um, but still a game day show for the Army Navy game, which is actually, to be honest with you, one of the, one of the you know, we, it's, it's a lot of fun for us. Like we love doing that. We love doing the Army Absolutely. Navy game. It's uh, so much fun, man, to, to put a spotlight on those two academies, you know what I mean? Those programs and the kids and the cadets and just everything. It's one of our favorite shows to do, actually. Well, that's, you know, Heisman weekend. That's the highlight. We all go into the, the hospitality room and we're watching the Army-Navy game. And while that's going on, Joe, yeah. you know, Joe has passed away since, but, but Pete Dawkins... And uh, yeah. who, who played at Army and Joe at, at Navy and Pete's trying to hustle back to get to the show. It, that yeah. Army Navy Day goes hand in hand with Heisman Day, and uh, thoroughly enjoy it. I enjoy to see that interaction yes, with them. Exactly. Uh, well, good luck this week. Keep prepping. Keep watching film. Wish you all the best. Thanks for joining me, Des. And uh, keep hey. it rolling. Love watching you, buddy. Hey, man, anytime, anything for you, Doug. It's my pleasure, man. Thank you. Let's have some fun at the Heisman this, uh, this weekend, okay? You got it. We'll have some fun. Well, I want to thank Des for joining me. Des is a lot of fun. He and I go back a long way, and uh, it's so much fun to joke around with him, especially when we start talking Heisman stuff. Uh, speaking of Heisman, this weekend, the Heisman Trophy will be awarded, and Kenny Pickett is one of the finalists. Got his name in the in the ring this year, and at the end of the year, really finished strong. So keep my fingers crossed for Kenny. The Northeast vote might pull him home. Who knows? Uh, coming up next, Kenny Pickett. Well, I want to welcome my guest, uh, Kenny Pickett. Kenny, I, I'm, I'm hesitating here because we just heard some news, but we'll get to that. Kenny Pickett, 
Pitt Panthers, ACC championship, going to the Peach Bowl to play Michigan State, Heisman finalist, just got announced the John Unitas Award, all these accolades, breaking records with, on Dan Marino, breaking records on Deshaun Watson. It's been a heck of a year. How, how do you feel looking back at this year so far? Yeah, I mean, I really haven't gotten the chance to enjoy it. it it's nice to come home now. I mean, I'm in the car, actually driving somewhere else. So it really just, you know, the next couple of days, get a chance to look back at it with my family, just kind of enjoy it. But it's been a heck of a ride. Um, you know, it's not done yet. So I'm, I'm excited for these next couple of weeks, too. So you're in the car. Where are you headed? Headed to New York City to get a suit because I have nothing to wear. <laughs> See, <laughs> that's the time. So <laughs> See, people, you got to realize college kids, we don't have suits. We don't know where I just like, can I get, I got to get dressed up. How many times you got to get dressed up this week? Two as of now. Just Friday two? night, Saturday night. All right. Well, there'll be some Very events, cool. I'm sure, surrounding Heisman that, that uh, you're going to wind up being in New York City for Heisman weekend. And I was just talking with Des Howard about Heisman stuff. It is a cool weekend. All the Heisman winner, former winners are coming back. Yeah, it, there's you're in a whirlwind. They've got you by the neck, running you around a little bit. But it will be an experience <laughs> you never forget. Um, what was your reaction to being being a Heisman finalist? Yeah, speechless. I mean, it, the first memories I have of it was Brady Quinn and Reggie Bush era. That was kind of the my first memories of the Heisman. So, and you know, I won over to ten and Pop Warner for Brady Quinn, and that was kind of so being now you know up for that award and being able to go to New York City. Um, you know, it's very special. You know, I, I obviously I, I won the Heisman back in 84, so I've been around it a long time. And you the, the way the voting goes, it's very regional. And the one thing that is in your corner, and I don't I don't know how you've analyzed that. I know, like the high profile guy right now is Bryce with Alabama. But, you know, the Northeast has a lot of votes and there's no other candidates out of the Northeast. You could rake in a bunch of number one spots out of the Northeast and have a good run at this. What do what do you what are you thinking about as far as that's concerned? Yeah, I mean, I don't I, like you said. I really don't know much about the voting, so that, that's news to me, and that that sounds great. Um, you know, win or lose, I think you know I'm just grateful for for just being there and having the opportunity to go with my family and friends there and kind of just be a part of that special ceremony. So you know, I'm, I'm excited either way. Yeah, it'll be a cool experience for you. I guarantee it. Uh, looking back on the season, uh, let's go, let's go to last week's game and let's go to the moment. Now, if there is a Heisman in your future, the Heisman moment will be faking the slide, staying on the feet and going just a reaction all of a sudden, just, yeah, it was just a re well, to be honest, I mean, they were pulling up. I could just, you, you know, how you could, when you're playing, you just kind of feel things and you just, I just felt them pulling up before I even really was going to slide. Um, so that kind of gave me like the quick, just kind of reaction in my head to, to just drag my back foot and just keep going. Um, and I know some people like it, some people hate it. I don't know. There's no rule for it. So it is, it is what it is. But there may be a rule now after this season, that's for sure. No, I absolutely love it. I, I, my <laughs> knees would buckle and break at this age. I would have fallen. You know, I would have dislocated. But I had a run against Penn State where I had about a 15 to 20-yard run. I'm going towards the sideline. I'm ready. To, I'm, I sort of stand up straight as if they're going out of bounds. And they stood up straight and relaxed put my foot in the ground, cut back, had another 20 yards to the run. And I took a bunch of heat for that. I'm sure people give you a hard time, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's just being a, it's being instinctive and, and quarterback play is instinctive. Running with the ball is instinctive. Um, I really love what you, you've put pit football back on the map in the top 
12 right now, but you got a chance to finish in the top 10. Uh, this week, the Unitas Award, the Golden Arm Award. Um, how about that? How about a reaction to that? They're, you know, yeah. all these kids that run. Go get it. Yeah, got, got the news um, this morning, and, and that was just kind of like having last night getting announced for the Heisman finalists and then having that this morning. Um, you know, it's been an unbelievable 24 hours. So um, just really soaking it all in. Like I said, when you, I feel like you always believe you can do these things. And then when it comes true, it's just kind of surreal. You really don't know what to, to make of it. So I'm just, you know, just really appreciative of it. As far as winning the Unitas Award, I grew, well, I grew up, a Baltimore, my parents were from the Baltimore area. I grew up, do you know anything about John Unitas? Have you, had you ever? I had to do my research now about it. Yeah. <laughs> John Unitas was the crop talk, clean cut, golden arm guy that in 1958, the first, uh, was it? Yeah, 1958, first televised championship game against the New York Giants. He leads the Colts to a championship in overtime, first overtime game. And the legend of John Yannis takes off and, you know, Hall of Famer, everything else. And uh, you had an opportunity to meet his uh, John Jr. Oh, you haven't. He just made an announcement. It wasn't. Uh... Sorry, over Zoom it was. Oh, it was over Zoom? Yes, uh, sir, John, yeah. Yeah, he has a good good feel for for all the things. And, and um, you know, I grew up, my, my golden moment as a little kid was I was at a Baltimore Colts uh, training camp. And Unitas threw a ball over to the sideline to a guy named Willie Richardson, who quit running on the play, by the way. The ball bounced and rolled over to me. I picked it up and flipped it back to Willie Richardson. And on the way back to the huddle, Unitas said, quit, you know, never stop running, Willie. Why'd you quit running? So that was John back there. He was one of the first big guys to throw the ball up the field all the time and win championships. Uh, we got some news just, just before you came on air. You... Uh, Offensive coordinator Mark Whipple is resigning, potentially, I guess, to maybe pursue other opportunities. Uh, how do you feel that may affect you going forward to the to the bowl game? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I'm going to sit down and talk to my family. Obviously, it, it changed the situation at, at Pitt. Um, you know, but I, I, I'm incredibly grateful for Coach Whip and the three years we spent together, um, you know, turned my career around, turned our offense around, and, and took us to a new level. So, I have nothing but, but great things to say about Coach Whip, and um, you know our relationship will go long past you know my playing days and, and everything. And uh, you know I'm just extremely grateful for him. Uh, who would be the next play caller within your offensive system? Is a head coach a play caller? Is a, what would be your guess? Quarterback coach? I, well, he was the quarterback coach yeah. as well, so I would guess either our tight ends coach or our receivers coach. Um, Tim Salem or Brennan Marion. So I, I think it's up to Coach Narduzzi. Um, mm -hmm. I really haven't. Obviously, I was driving <laughs> home a bit, so I have no yeah, idea crazy. What, the, what the plan is yet. So we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. See, don't you love this instantaneous news thing? You know, it's on your phone and boom, it pops up. You were coming over. We're going to have a fun talk about Heisman. Anyway, uh, there are some events that go on during Heisman weekend. Um, have you had an opportunity to to meet the other finalists at all over the years or play against each other? You haven't really, have you? No, I haven't. I haven't, I haven't got the chance to meet any of those guys. I'm looking forward to meeting them. I met a lot of great players at the Manning camp over the years. Um, so that, that, that's been awesome, but I'm definitely looking forward to uh, meeting those guys in New York. How was your Manning camp experience? Who awesome. I, I've been at two and, and um, you know, exceeds expectations every time. And it's, uh, I, I've built relationships and friendships that, you know, I'll, I'll carry throughout my career and past my career. And the Mannings are, you know, an unbelievable family. So it's had awesome two camps there. Uh, have you talked um, 
potential draft? Anybody getting in your ear about where you think you're going to land? Um, you know how it goes. I mean, everyone has an opinion, and everyone. I have no clue where. Um, I'm just gonna, you know, try and go as high as I possibly can, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and train and work hard and put myself in the best position. Are there academies uh, or people lined up to 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 groom you for combine and things of that nature? Yeah, for training, I'll go to Test Football Academy. It's uh, in North Jersey, which is like an hour, 45 minutes north of where I live. Um, so yeah, I have my quarterback trainer there and everything I need there. So I'm excited to get started with that. My quarterback trainer. Give me the ball, throw the ball. (laughs) It's such a different world. It is such a different world. I skipped the combine because my size, all that stuff. I played the all-star games against people's recommendation. I signed in a new league with the USFL and Donald Trump. And I just said, screw the combine if I and I wind up I wind up getting there a couple of years later but what the heck it just was my way of do, dealing with everything and dealing with that um, it's amazing to me though you know the stock and we saw it last year with people going up and down and Zach or uh, Mac Jones ended up in New England uh, getting dropped in the draft after a team trades up to get him did you see the Monday night game last night a win yes I did it looks ridiculous. it looked like the craziest game in terms of win that I've ever seen um, I saw pregame kickers trying to kick the ball, just completely going sideways. Uh, I couldn't imagine playing in that one. Have you played in some – what's the worst conditions you've played in? Um, I mean, Pittsburgh, we've had some rough ones. Uh, just just heavy rain and winds. I mean, this to this year is probably the end of the North Carolina game, at the Thursday night game. If you saw that one, it was a monsoon. It was pretty bad. And uh, we had to go to overtime and win that one. Do you wind up now? I always say that the the athletic quarterback becomes an advantage. Did you start taking off and running with the ball a little more than usual? Well, yeah, there was a third down I converted on, and then the next play we threw a slant to our tight end for the win, and then they they had their, their chance at it, but they uh, our defense stepped up. So yeah, yeah, that's well. I I went through a whole routine after watching that game. The first part of this sh- this podcast is going to be talking about dealing with cold weather and all. I played in a minus 44 degree minus 85 wind chill game up in calgary and i played in a 35 to 50 mile an hour winds with 70 mile an hour gusts in winnipeg so last night was a cakewalk i don't know yeah (laughs) anyway i want enjoy new york city go get it have fun uh remember you can uh, my one advice to you remember you can say no to these people when they start pulling you from interview to interview and ask you to get up at 5 a.m because you can be on this show you still can say no to it. Enjoy yourself. It's been so much fun watching you this year, Kenny. And I wish you all the best. Good luck with the Heisman. Thanks, man. Well, I want to thank Kenny Pickett for uh, joining me. And uh, it's going to be a busy week for him going down to New York and going through all the high. It'll be a great experience for him. Really great experience going in there and and to rub shoulders with all the guys that have won the Heisman over the years. It's just a really uh, cool event. Three, four days of now they run that they run the Heisman guys into the ground. Don't get me wrong. They run them into the ground, do a media and everything else. But um, I think it'll be an experience he will never forget. Lead into the uh, questions. Each and every week, Doug sends out the bad signal to send up the Twitter questions. He asks for whatever you want to talk about on Twitter, Instagram. And this is what we got from Instagram this week. So first up, uh, we're going to talk about a little Hail Mary again. Uh, You know, we talked about the 37th anniversary 
couple episodes ago, and this listener wants to know, what was it like in the huddle before the Hail Mary throw? It was 37 years ago. How the heck do I know what it was like? And actually, I do know exactly what it was like because we've relived this thing so much that I, I know more about this play now. And I, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I found a new camera angle that shows a tight end wide open on the backside. Uh, the, the funny thing was we had a play before that went incomplete. We actually could have gotten a little closer. And uh, with six seconds left, we knew this was the final play. And it was very a matter of fact in the huddle. It really was. It was just calling a play. The only variable was they, they were sending in a freshman wide receiver to replace the tailback. So we'd have three wide outs on that side of the field. And I didn't want him in there. I wanted our our fifth year senior tailback, Troy Stratford at tailback. I wanted him down the field because I know he makes plays. Little did I know at the time, Troy had a pulled hamstring and couldn't run down the field. So on the play, I wave off the freshman wideout. He's stuck in the middle of the field, coming on, going off, coming on, going off. And it doesn't, you know, the coaches are yelling him to get out there. I'm yelling him to get the heck off the field. So Troy Stratford stays on the field. Troy never gets down inside the 20 yard line until after the ball is caught. Um, but uh, that was very a matter of fact that the huddle was like, we're just calling a play. This is a play we've been successful before. I actually have video from uh, we played Temple earlier in the year and completed. The, I mean, it looks identical to the Miami play and Gerard catches it in a crowd in the end zone for the touchdown. Um, the, the really cool part was the, the fact that there was an inadvertent whistle took a second. I went over and talked to the tight end on the backside and said, Hey, he was supposed to be in pass protection. I said, go, go down, get wide and go down the sideline. Cause I might turn around and throw back to you. Little did I know till 35 years later, he was actually open. Um, and then uh, what other happened? Oh, the other thing that happened is the guy that was lined up on Gerard decides last second to walk out and jam Kelvin Martin, our wide receiver instead, allowing Gerard to be the first guy down the field and get all the way to the end zone. But the huddle itself, very a matter of fact, just another play call. And it was really like we were just trying to execute a play. It, it didn't feel like a wing and a prayer. All right. Well, then let's move on up to Buffalo, shall we? And a two-part, part football, part food question. <laughs> what is your favorite Buffalo wing flavor and best memory with the Bills? You know, uh, as far as um, the wings... I'm not a hot wing guy. I'm not a spicy food guy. So I go mild all the time. I'm a wimp. I can't help it. That's, you know, I'm living in Florida now. That just about says it all. I was a cold weather guy my whole life. I fought the elements and I'm tired of it. <laughs> but um, the, the big tree was right around the corner from the stadium. That was the, the hangout for the guys to go get uh, you know, wings and beer and everything else. But I, we always stopped at this Blastdale pizza place on the way home. And they had the biggest wings. They were almost like full-size uh, chicken legs and wings. It was, they, they were our favorite actually. And we'd always grab those after the game on the way home. Um, and I'm trying to think of the, the, the it might've been route 20. I don't, I don't know what the route was, but my other favorite place to stop on that road was uncle Joe's diner. I think because my, my son had just been diagnosed with autism and we were trying to keep him in school back home. My wife would only come up on the weekends for games. And I must've ate at uncle Joe's diner five, six times a week, twice a day sometimes. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't cook at home. If I cooked at home, it was a bowl of cereal. That's cooking. <laughs> and favorite memory as, as a Buffalo Bill? Uh, favorite memory as a Bill? Uh, has to be running the naked bootleg in 
uh, in my first start at home there in Buffalo, I, I hadn't started the game in nine years and we're playing Jacksonville. They're six and oh, we put a drive together in the last minute with no timeouts and all that. And um, I happened to, we had four verticals first, I don't football people, three deep coverage. So you got guys going up the seams and guys going up the outside. I kind of pumped up the seam and threw a blind throw up the rail to the outside to Eric Molds. He caught it, got down to the one yard line. And on fourth down, I ran a naked bootleg in and we win the game. And what was the coolest thing ever was after the game, um, my wife made it to the field. The PR guys got him down there and uh, Dougie, my son, uh, was with her. And I was holding, there's a picture of me holding Dougie on the field after that game. And it kind of, a lot of things all came together. Uh, part of it is, the Flutie Flakes were out, Dougie with autism for, towards the foundation. My first start in forever. We win the game. I was kind of making my statement that I'm back in the NFL. Uh, it was all kind of culminated in that moment. It was really, really a cool moment for me. That's awesome. That's really cool. All right. And then for our final question, we'll head north of the border. What is your favorite CFL stadium? And would you ever consider coaching in the CFL? It would be so much fun to coach in the CFL. I'm just at a point in my life where I don't want the full-time job anymore. I like having my free time to go surf, mess around, play old man baseball or hockey or something. And um, I do enjoy coaching. I'll go down and help out of camps and, and go over to some local high schools and things, but I just don't want the full-time commitment. I did watch both CFL playoff games this week and I can't turn it off. I, I you know, I, I watch NFL and I'm flipping stations and I'm kind of watching stuff, keeping an eye on things. And all of a sudden I stumble onto a CFL game. I love the game. I have such an attachment to that game. As far as stadiums, I don't know that I had a favorite state. I'll tell you, Commonwealth Stadium up in Edmonton was pretty cool because it was the only grass field left in the league and uh, had that old time field. Maybe think of Soldier Field in Chicago. But I think the funnest field, I because I always tell the stories, is either Saskatchewan or Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, the field, the old turf, they decided they were going to save money over the long haul. See, I like the, I like the old stories, like the, the crappy locker room, the, this, that, the, the shower heads that don't work, the two by four with nails in it as your locker. That was Saskatchewan. And the field was a bad, it was a bad artificial turf, but they didn't paint the lines. They had white turf, they cut it out, white turf for the lines and hash marks and the green turf for the field. So over the years, the sideline is serpentine down the road. You know, it's back and forth. I mean, it's six to eight inches difference in certain parts of the field as to where the sideline is or where the yard mark and the seams got wider over the years. And it's all the, and yeah, they've, they've redone it obviously since then. And, and the field looks amazing. They've upgraded everything. And, but it, it was just part of my CFL experience was the fact that we played on those kinds of fields that we dealt with those kinds of locker rooms that, and I looking back, I, I love that experience. And I, I really, I, it just, it made it, it makes it fun for stories, but it also was a lot of fun playing in those days. He is at Doug Flutie. And on Mondays, he sends out the tweet asking for your questions on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to follow and be involved with the show. Remember you can get the Flutie flakes cast on Apple Pandora and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to rate and review. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, I'm Doug Flutie. This is the Flutie Flakes Cast. The Flutie Flakes Cast is a part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Tom Cress. 
The associate producers are Chris Tyler and Denny Gallagher. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. SiriusXM Podcasts.